Before we look at God's word together, I want to quickly give two announcements that I forgot to give earlier. One is this, if you say, well, pastor, I want to help those in Louisiana and Baton Rouge that have flooding, but I am not prepared to leave today. We are planning, hopefully, Lord willing, if he gives us that availability, several more trips before the end of the year. This is not a one-time disaster relief event. And so if God has put on your heart to go and you can't go today, pray about when you can go and the Lord will make that available. We also leave at three. And so if you would like to bring supplies as we go today, you have until three o'clock to bring those back to the church. Mother announcement is this. Some of you have wondered, well, how can I join this church? I'm glad you asked. Today, join us for lunch. You say, well, so by joining the church, all I had to do is join you for lunch. Yes. We made it easy. We're bad at this. Come eat. So right after church, if you would like more information on what the Lord is doing here, how you can get involved, how you um, can grow in your faith, meet us right here in the lobby after church and we have a meal for you and we just want to encourage you in your faith. So join us right after the service for that. Today, we are going to look at wisdom in work. Now, we this summer have been looking at God's wisdom in our lives, particularly through the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, which is Proverbs. So today we will look at wisdom in our work, our work ethic, our work environment, and just simply the things that we do with our hands. Why is that important? Because we are commanded to work unto the Lord. But before I give you God's word, I want to give you man's word. So here's some, here are some wisdom or maybe unwise life hacks for work. I don't have the pictures here. Okay, so here's the first um, if, you, if you don't have a good drawer organizer at work, you can actually take, these are um, cereal boxes. You can cut, eat the cereal first, um, empty it out, and then you can cut the cereal boxes and you can create a desk organizer for your work. So good job there. You can also do this if you are too far away from, the, from your trash can or just too lazy to go to the trash can. You can take an empty Kleenex box and rubber band it to a new Kleenex box and you can, as you blow your nose, you can put it in the use. For me, that's just too much of a step. Um, um, or if, if you are like me often and I have crumbs on my desk, they make a mini USB vacuum cleaner. <laughs> so you can literally go online and buy this and plug it into your computer so you can eat your Cheetos as you work on your computer and clean them up at the same time. So I love that idea. Okay, here's another life hack for you at work. If you are one that has to wear a suit and tie often, you can, um, I guess you sew it at the appropriate length and you can put your business cards underneath your tie. And so if you need a business card, you just reach behind your tie and there it is. So very convenient. Um, here's a great life hack for those of you who share a refrigerator with your, with your coworkers. So what you do if you take sandwiches to work, get a green Sharpie and write, draw on a Ziploc bag to make it look like mold. <laughs> and that way your coworkers will never touch your sandwich. Um, personally, having that thought in my mind would, would make it difficult eating the sandwich. Uh, actually, Eric, uh, who works with our sound and he's on our creative arts team here. He does this in his desk. Um, you can take these binder clips and use that for all your electronic devices and help with your cordage there. And lastly, um, if you find a spare spring, you can use that to help 
organize your mail in your office. So if you need to be more efficient at work, there are some ways to, to do that. Um, some of them great, some of them I don't know about. Um, but what is better for our life than even worldly wisdom is godly wisdom. And so we wanna push further than just being more efficient at our jobs. We want to desire to increase in the Lord's wisdom and understanding in our lives. And so how do we do that? As we look at Proverbs today, we're gonna to look at three verses, actually four verses. Proverbs 26, 13 through 16. Laziness, more than any other vice in Proverbs, is mocked. Laziness is mocked more than any other struggle in Proverbs. What is laziness? What laziness is the inability or unwillingness to work or to exude strength. Now, listen to what that definition says. It doesn't mean you can't work. It means that you have the energy and you refuse to use it. Now, why is this going to be important? Because if working at our jobs with our hands is important, then how much more so is working spiritually in our lives? So we are going to be commanded by God's word not to be lazy spiritual bums. Because if we are honest, we struggle with that. Laziness, the unwillingness to work or use energy. And what a waste of God's resources is laziness. And here, here's the great struggle that we have. Many of us work hard during the week, but yet when it comes time to pray or spend time with the Lord, we just don't have the energy. And how much more important is our prayer life and is our heart for the Lord than anything I can do at work? So may we be men and women that say, Lord, I'm gonna set a priority that I work hard spiritually, that we, as the Bible commands us, that we work out our salvation with, with fear and trembling, not work for our salvation, but work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So let's look at Proverbs 26 and may God give us grace and favor as we look at the lazy man. And before you point fingers at a lazy man that you know might be here today, May God make us look at ourselves in the mirror spiritually before we point fingers. Here's a lazy man, Proverbs 26, verse 13. The lazy man says, there is a lion in the road, a fierce lion is in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. God forbid we be lazy people spiritually. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we desire to be men and women who, who hunger and thirst for righteousness sake. Lord, put our life in priority that we will not work hard for our families, that we will not, not work hard at our work sites and we come home and we are spiritually lazy. But Father, make us people who work hard spiritually, that we desire to drink from the fountain that is flowing from your throne. Lord, give us grace and mercy as we look into your word. Change us. Father, we know that your word is living, it is active, it is sharp, it penetrates the division of our joint and marrow, soul and spirit. So Lord, penetrate our hearts today 
Convict us of our sin, purify us of unrighteousness, and Lord, lead us in the path of everlasting. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And amen, we're gonna look at four things today. Four verses, four lazy traits. The first is this, look at what the lazy man says. Look at what the lazy man says. Verse 13, there is a lion in the road. A fierce lion is in the streets. So what does a lazy man say? Spiritually, what do lazy people say? They make excuses. Now, an excuse is simply something that is used to either deflect the blame off of you or to justify your behaviors. If you've been watching the Olympics this week, you've seen some of our swimmers that made a mistake. And the first thing they did, rather than confess, is lie, which turned into an excuse, which now has turned into national repentance. I, that's a, I would hate to have to repent on national TV and ask for forgiveness. But how quick are we as human beings to make excuses? Look at the lazy man here, verse 13. The lazy man says, there is a lion in the streets. There is a fierce lion in the road. Excuses are an attempt for us to attach blame to something. And often these are found in the mouth of lazy men. Spiritually, how many excuses do we often have? We'll look at some of those later. Lord, help us not make Excuses. Now, let me just say this for this lazy man. This might be a hypothetical lazy man as we, as we look into his heart and to our life. We look into our heart and to our life. If for his sake, if there, was a, if there was a lion in the road, by the way, that's a good excuse not to go to work. Do you agree with me there? I mean, if you call on the boss and say, boss, I would come in, but there's a lion at, at my door between the door and the car. I would hope your boss would say, you know what? Take a day off. You need a personal day. So if this is true, this is a great reason to be lazy. And if it's true, it's not laziness. There's a legitimate struggle there. Now, I would say in Palestine during this time, lions were very rare, but it is very slightly plausible. It would be like me now in living in Alabama saying, you know what, I can't preach today because there's, a, there's an alligator under my car. Now, let me just tell you, when we moved in to Gramercy, South Louisiana, one of my neighbors said, Pastor, I don't wanna worry you, but just let me tell you this story. Several years ago, the man that lived here before, we knocked on his door and told him, look, don't go out to your car today because there's a five foot alligator underneath your truck. True story. So in South Louisiana, the alligator story might fly because it might be true. Birmingham Moody, probably an excuse, right? But as lazy people, we are inherently, we, we make up excuses. And you know what laziness does in our life? It makes us bad excuse makers. So no, no longer do we make good excuses. We now have bad excuses. We say there's a lion. May the Lord root out excuses in our life. May we be quick to say, Lord, I've sinned, forgive me, rather than, Lord, it was the lion. I would have, but you know what? I, I saw the weather forecast and it, it might have rained and so I just didn't get out of the house. Lord, I, I couldn't do it because of this. May we not be lazy men and women who use our mouth for excuse making. And if we're honest, 
Spiritually, we make a lot of excuses. Father, rid us of that. Not only does lazy man use his mouth for excuses, but he also does this. And here's a struggle about being lazy spiritually. Sometimes if we use excuses often and often and more, we then now suffer from irrational fears. So it might not be that this man here that's lazy is making an excuse. It might be worse for him. He might actually believe the excuse. Are you following me there? He might believe there is a lion in the streets. Now, if there's not a lion in the streets and he believes that there's a lion in the streets, how deep of a fear is that for that man? May we be careful not to make excuses because then we open the door in our life to begin to believe those excuses and to believe lies. That's what laziness does. That's what spiritual laziness does. They say, well, pastor, put that in real terms. Here's some excuses that we make. Well, I'm not gonna go to church because everyone hates me. Let's just assume that's, a, that's an irrational fear and you truly believe that everyone hates you. If that's you today, thank, thank God you're here. I would just say, here's what God's word commands us, that we are not allowed to hate as those who follow the way. So if everyone hates you in the church that you're going to, they're not Christ's followers if they truly hate you because we are commanded to bless those who curse us. But that's an irrational fear that we have. Well, I'm not gonna go to church or worship because everyone knows my business. Let me just, let me address that irrational fear. Let's say everyone does know your business. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So my business is no stinkier or better than yours. So even if we all know our business, the business is, Lord, you have sent your son to die to clean my dirty rags up. Irrational fears. Another irrational fear that we have spiritually. Well, God can't forgive the things I have done. That's an irrational fear. The truth is that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And the apostle Paul said, of whom I am the worst. And I would imagine the apostle Peter, who denied Christ three times in his moment of need, would say, if Jesus can forgive me, he can forgive you. May we not be people who let irrational fears invade our life. So what does a righteous man do then? If the lazy man makes excuses, if the lazy man believes irrational fears like these lions, like these deep spiritual lies, what does a righteous man do? One, we accept responsibility for our mistakes. We accept responsibility for our mistakes. That when we're lazy, we say, you know what, boss? I just didn't feel like coming in today and I deserve to be reprimanded. I'm sorry, and I will do better. Lord, help me. We accept responsibility. We do not try to justify our bad decisions. So when we, when we gossip, when we hurt, when we backbite, when we subtweet, when we, when we harass people on Facebook, we say, you know what? I'm not gonna justify that. I know you were mean to me. I know you gave me the stank eye. Well, you know what? That does not justify the, the ungodliness that, that flows from my heart. And I'm not gonna be lazy. I'm not gonna place blame. It's not the lion's fault. You know what? It's my heart's fault. Forgive me. That's what righteousness looks like. The righteous man, when he has irrational fears and we all have them, or I can't speak because everyone's looking at me, well, that is true. 
but Lord, I can't do that because of this. Irrational fears, then the righteous man leans into Christ and God says, Pastor, you're not here to speak on your own behalf. You're here to speak because I've called you to. And so you lean into Jesus Christ. Well, I can't go share Christ because I don't have the words to say. Well, you open your life and God will use you. We lean into Christ. That's righteousness. When we struggle, we lean on, we lean on the prayer. So we're not going to Louisiana or I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna go to a homeowner who's looking at their house that's destroyed. And I'm not gonna pat them on the back and you know, you know what, it's okay. You live. That's not what they need. They need us to wrap our, our arms around them and say, let's pray because I don't have an answer, but I know we can pray to the one who does. We lean on Jesus Christ. That is life-changing truth. Righteous people find life in God's word. So when we're lazy and we struggle, we open God's word and say, God, use me. And it might not be, it might not be fun, it might not be easy, but Lord, mold me, make me into something that is honorable in your life. Righteous people rely on godly, wise friends. Righteous people have friends in their life that when, when we struggle and we say, you know what, there's a, there's a spiritual lion at my door, I can call my buddy up and say, hey, does that make sense? Lions and moody? And they say, you know what? It's probably just a rational fear. Let me pray for you. And I know that when we pray and we seek God and when we need wisdom, he abundantly pours out wisdom. Laziness is me not calling and saying, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna stay inside. Strength is, hey, friends, help me. Let's fight the lion together. We know that the devil also prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who in this room he can devour. May we not be lazy. The lazy man spiritually makes excuses. Now let's look what the lazy man does then. The lazy man says, there is a lion in the road, a fierce lion in the streets. Verse 14, as a door turns on its hinges, so the lazy man in his bed. So not only do we hear what the lazy man says, we now get a glimpse of what we as lazy people do. Now here, here's where the rubber hits the road, as my grandmother would say. And here's where the struggle is. Because I woke up at 2.30 this morning not able to sleep. And so you have several options in the middle of the night when you can't sleep. One is you can just get up, go in the living room, turn on the TV, just try to get your mind off of not sleeping. I took the other option, which I'm just going to fight it. So I'm just going to close my eyes and tell myself to go to sleep. It didn't work. So I said, Lord, I'm just going to pray. Because often in my life, when God wakes me up in the middle of the night, I say, Lord, I'm not going to waste this time. Just let me pray. And I'll pray till I go to sleep. If I don't go to sleep, I'm going to pray anyway. But my struggle when I can't sleep is this. And this verse was penetrating my mind. I tossed and turned. So I'm thinking, I'm this hinge on the door. I'm looking to the right, praying, saying amen. Then I'd go to the left and I'm praying. So God's word is not convicting people who toss and turn a lot at night. Here's what God's word says about laziness. One, and this is not life shattering, earth shattering, but the lazy people spend a lot of time in bed. Verse 14, as a door turns on its hinges, the lazy man on his bed. So we're, we're almost invited to the lazy man's house and say, look at his room, watch this joker sleep. That's all he's doing. Now, for those of you who love sleep, that's not a bad thing. But why is the bed such a danger? 
Because as the door turns on its hinge, it is benefiting something. The door has a purpose. But if I'm content to stay in my bed at all times, where am I going? Nowhere. So I think the bed here is a metaphor for us not serving the Lord, for not doing something great. The Lord has not called us to live in our homes and say, Lord, I'm just going to wait it out. I'm just going to sleep my life away. But I'm going to be a man who says, Lord, I am going to serve you. I'm going to strive. I'm going to run. I'm going to serve to win the prize, to reach the goal, which is set out before me in Jesus Christ. Do you serve God? Do you serve him like you should? If you are not, maybe you're lying in your spiritual bed and you say, Lord, I'm more content here to be lazy than to serve you. Because Lord, I don't have the gifts. That's a lie. You do have gifts. If you are a follower of Christ, he has given you a spiritual gift, at least one. Use it. But may we not sit in our bed and go from left to right. The other danger about being in our bed is this. For many of us, and I pray that your bed is this way, it's a comfort zone. It's a comfort zone. Hopefully your bed is comfortable. We went on vacation a couple weeks ago and one of the joys of going on vacation, you get to sleep in beds that aren't yours and you don't have to make the bed that's not yours. I love that. Um, and it seemed like out of the five hotels we stayed in, probably three of them were like the extra, extra California kings. So I could, I could lay any way I wanted and still had room. I'm like, this is awesome. Like everyone needs a bed that takes up their whole room. Uh, and so we don't have that bed in, in our house, unfortunately. But, but we came away from that trip thinking, these are really comfortable beds. But often we get into a comfort zone spiritually and we say, Lord, this is the spiritual bed that I'm gonna sleep in. And Lord, I'm comfortable here. This is my pew. This is my hymnal. This is my Bible. This is mine. This is mine. This is mine. This is mine. And everyone else, stay away. How selfish is it for us? As a door turns on its hinges as a lazy man who goes back and forth on his bed. Following Jesus Christ is not to follow him into comfort. It is following him in his will. As our Savior prayed in the garden, Lord, take this cup from me. Lord, give me the comfortable bed, but Lord, not my will, but yours. Paul did not say to live is comfort, to die is gain. What did he say? To live is Christ, to die is gain. And we need to take a hard look in the mirror and say, God, are we so comfortable right now spiritually that we are not serving you like we should? Lord, are we sharing Christ like we should? God, are we going places that we should? And some of you are probably uncomfortable with me saying that. Good, that's the point. But may we not ever be accused spiritually of just lying in our spiritual bed saying, you know what? I like this church like it is. It's never gonna change. Lord, and, and we sing the songs that I like. And Lord, the pastor preaches the passages that I like. And I'm just comfortable May I not get to the place as a pastor in, in this church that I'm completely comfortable at all times. May we be people that say, Lord, make me uncomfortable because I still need sanctification and growth in your name. 
may we not be lazy men spiritually. Third, lazy men stay in bed, stay in comfort and never go anywhere. Lazy men make excuses with our mouths. And oftentimes we believe those. Now let's look at the lazy heart. Verse 15, the lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. And you can see the mocking is ramping up in Proverbs. All right, the lazy man talks about these crazy lions and tigers and bears. The lazy man, as a door turns on the hinges, the lazy man sleeps in his bed. The lazy man here, verse 15, buries his hand in the bowl and it wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. Now, how lazy do you have to be to put your hand in a jar of M&Ms and not even have the energy to get those M&Ms back out. Now, it's laughable. I think God's word is challenging us here. What's the struggle? I don't think it's really an energy issue. I think it's a motivation issue. I think what's going on is God is looking at our heart and saying, be careful what motivates you. Because if we are people without motivation, we are people without Jesus Christ. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. We see the trap of laziness and its motivation. So let me ask you this. For those of you here with, with us Wednesday night, you, we've looked at some of our motivations. So what are some improper motivations for work? Now let's talk about some improper motivations and we'll look at biblical God-centered motivations. If my only motivation for my career is, Lord, I wanna make a lot of money, that's a improper, sinful motivation. Now, some of you heard it this way. Well, pastor hates money. That's not what I said. But if your only motivation in life to work is money, where does Jesus fit into that? Because what happens if I gain the whole world and lose my soul? What happens if my kids see me become a billionaire and I'm a terrible father and I do not love Jesus Christ or their mom. I have failed them and my motivations are ungodly. I am someone who has stuck my hand in the bowl and have no energy to get that back out to my mouth. If, if my motivation for working is to make a status for me so that other people will applaud me and say, look at how good pastor is. Look at his sermons, look at his writings, look at, look at the classes that he teaches, look at the status, oh, look at this guy. That's an improper motivation. And how easy that creeps up into, in our lives, doesn't it? For those of you who are climbing the corporate ladder, which is not a bad thing, God gives us positions in life for his glory and for his honor. But if my only motivation is for people to look at me and not look at my savior, I have stuck my hand in the jar and I have no, made, no motivation to get it back out. If my only motivation in life is to find fulfillment, if I say, you know what, if I just marry and then I'll be fulfilled. Well, you know what, now if I just have a lot of kids, I might be broke, but I'll be fulfilled. You know what, if I just get this job or if I get this degree or if I just see if I just see my team win the national championship just once, just once is all I ask, anything, I'll take disc golf. Then I'll find fulfillment. I am as a lazy man spiritually who have stuck my hand in the jar and cannot bring it to my mouth. So how as God followers are we to find motivation? 
I think a godly motivation is this, Lord, I'm gonna be a good steward. I'm gonna use the talents you've given me for your, for your glory, for your honor. Lord, if you've given me a strong back, I'm gonna shovel dirt. I'm gonna mow out homes. God, if you've given me the gift of wisdom, I'm going to counsel others for your namesake. God, if you've, if you've made me a, a good mathematician, and that's not my gift, Lord, I'm gonna be the best engineer that I can be that I may share Jesus Christ. God, if you've given me the desire to help others and, and I'm a nurse, God, I'm gonna use that talent for your honor and for your glory so when people are in need, I will nurture them and show them the good healer. God, give us motivation spiritually that we may not be lazy, that we may share Jesus Christ. That's a godly motivation. Another godly motivation is that we may serve the world with our gifts. God has given us talents that the world may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Are you serving the world? Because if you're not serving the world, how will they see your Savior? We must be people who serve God and serve others. Are we doing both? Another biblical motivation for strength, for honor, is that we want to worship God in our work. And we struggle with this because we are post-fall. We now live in a broken world. So we normally gravitate towards two alternatives. Most of us are either lazy or we're overworked. And sometimes in the same day. Or we struggle because we, we really work hard and then we say, God, I've neglected my family. I've neglected worship. God, I'm just gonna pull back. And then we get lazy because we now miss what Genesis 2 says, that God put Adam in the garden to tend it. And for Adam, that was his spiritual act of worship. So why should we work now and serve the Lord? Because the work we do now is preparing us for heaven. Because there will be a day again where when we work, we don't work with the sweat of our brow, we work with worship. And so that we work now for practice for eternity. So if you're lazy now, if I'm lazy now, I pray that God doesn't look at me and say, Josh, I was preparing you for eternity and you blew it. You lazy, lazy servant. And we say, Lord, look what I've done with my hands. Look at the house I built. Look at the things I've done. God, look, look at the church buildings that we built and the programs that we started and Lord, the mouths we fed and on and on and on. I pray that Lord does not look at us and say, but yes, you did those with your strength, with your hands and you were lazy spiritually. May we not be the lazy man who gives excuses. May we not be the lazy man that just in our comfort zone and, and is afraid to get out. May we not be the lazy man that has ungodly motivations. And here's the danger of motivations. You don't know why I'm preaching right now. You don't know the motivation of my heart because you can't see it, but he sees our hearts. So may, may the Lord look upon us and open our hearts and examine us. May our motivations be proper. And then lastly, we see this about the lazy man. We hear his words, we see his deeds, we see his heart. And then verse 16, the lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Than seven men who can answer sensibly. What's the danger here with the thoughts of the lazy person? Well, we see then that the root of our laziness is pride. 
So if seven people encamp around me and they say, hey, pastor, I know you're scared of lions and you feel like there's a lion at your door, but we're outside and there's not a lion. Trust us on this. We prayed about it. We sought the Lord. How foolish then would it be for me to say, I don't believe you guys. I believe my eyes. I believe my thoughts. I believe in the lion and my irrational fears. The source of laziness physically is pride. That God, I'm gonna take the energy you've given me, I'm gonna waste it. Because my desires are more important than what you've given me. Lord, I'm gonna take the strength that you give. The reason I pray, God, give me today my daily bread. So when I eat the bread, I get energy and strength. Lord, forbid me not to waste that. But Lord, also forbid me, verse 16, to not think that I am wiser than seven other men. The source of laziness is pride, is ungodly minds. And may we be people who lean into the grace of Jesus Christ in our life. So what is the answer for laziness? You say, well, pastor, okay, you got me. I'm lazy. You don't have to admit that, no hands raised. But you say, pastor, I'm lazy. So what is the answer for laziness? You might say, well, pastor, I'm a hard worker. I'm the hardest worker the world's ever seen, but I'm lazy spiritually. What danger is that? The answer for laziness is the same answer that we have for our sin, and that is Jesus Christ. And we know this in God's holy word. We know that while we were still sinners in Romans 5, 8, Christ Jesus died for us. Let me put it in Proverbs terms. While you were still lazy, Christ Jesus died for you. Now, some, some of that, so for some of us, that stings because, because on the outside, you look like you're a spiritual hard worker, right? From the church end, you know, you, you go to church, you're doing all these things. But what happens if I am the greatest churchman the world has ever seen and I have not put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I have not tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I am spiritual lazy. And the answer for spiritual laziness is the answer for pride. It's the answer for sin. And the Bible says this again in Romans, same, same, Bible, same Bible passage, just a couple chapters later, that if you will believe in your heart that Jesus died for you, and if you will confess with your mouth you will be saved. If we believe in our heart, if we confess with the mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved for it is with the heart one believes into righteousness. And it's from the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So what is the answer for a lazy heart? It's not cleaning your heart up. It's that Jesus gives us a new heart. It's, it's what we see in 2 Corinthians, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So Jesus doesn't say, Josh, I'm gonna make your heart better. I'm gonna make your sin, I'm gonna clean up your sin, I'm gonna scrub it a little. He says, no, I'm gonna make you new. And I, I'm thankful that God made me new because I was broken. I was churched, but I was broken because of my sin. I was lazy spiritually. I'm thankful that God said, Josh, you cannot do it. And the truth of the gospel is this, no matter how hard you work, if you don't know Christ, you are lazy. And laziness and sin will send me 
to an eternity without Jesus Christ. But thank God we have an answer and his name is Jesus and he loves you. That's why the Bible says that for God so loved the world. I love that. Not just, you know, he didn't just love us a little bit. Even if God loved me a little bit, that's a lot in my book. But he so loved us that he went above and beyond that he let his son die on the cross for our sins. Not because he thought we would be good one day. When, we, when I was in rebellion, when you were in rebellion with God, if that's you today, while you are in rebellion with God, he sent his son to die for you. Knowing that he would send his son and that those who were living in sinful rebellion would kill him in that moment. Knowing that the ones who killed him were the ones that would find salvation if they believed. Have you put your faith in the one place where you, the answer lies for our laziness, for our sin? It is not a church. It is not a program. It is not yourself. It is not your mind. It is not your excuses. It is in the son of man. It is in the king of kings. It is in the savior of the universe. His name is Jesus Christ. And he died on the cross to meet you where you were that you don't have to clean your sin up and say, God, I'm clean now, save me. That you say, God, here is my sin, clean me up from my sin. And that is not fair. It does not make sense that we bring our, our mud as we go to the flood infested waters of Louisiana, that we bring our flooded lives to God and say, God, here it is. I can't do anything with it. And God says, but I've already prepared for you. I sent the lamb, the spotless lamb of the world. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the flooded sinful lives of people like us. If you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can do that right where you sit. You say, Lord, I've sinned. I need Christ. Father, deal with me. And that is not an easy process. That is me pulling back the layers of my heart and saying, God, you already see my heart, but now change my heart. Won't you confess Christ as Savior today? If you do that, we will give you a chance to respond here in our invitation. Maybe you're here and, and you are saved, you're a follower, but you've been spiritually lazy. I don't think God wants you to overwork yourself, but I don't think he wants us to be spiritually lazy either. Some of us have been making excuses. God, I can't serve you because of that lion. There's a lion that kind of sits in this area of the church. I struggle with that. Or I can't teach, I can't lead because I'm intimidated. Or God, I can't do this because I'm struggling physically. And God says, Josh, quit making excuses. I will renew your strength if you wait on me. And maybe you just need to pour out your heart today and say, God, heal me. Change my mouth. God, change my comfort zone. Lord, may I be used for your glory. If God has moved you this morning, do not miss a chance to respond. Let's pray. Father.